Hey, Ishers, it's Jamie. Welcome to another episode of Murderish. This episode was made possible by Myro and Kino Skincare. Also, stick around at the end of the episode to preview two great true crime podcasts. For all of you Unsolved Mysteries fans, and I know there's a lot of you, Resolved Mysteries podcast is a must listen. The hosts of this podcast put on a great show, and they're also very kind humans, which is a bonus. Real Life, Real Crime is a riveting podcast hosted by retired Louisiana homicide detective Woody Overton, who discusses cases he worked during his career and no detail is left out. Guys, I just got back from CrimeCon in New Orleans a couple of weeks ago, and I can't even begin to explain how much fun it was. There's so much to talk about, so I'll be releasing a CrimeCon recap episode on Patreon. I tried my best to summarize the entire trip so those who weren't able to go could sort of feel like they were there. If you want to hear the recap episode, head over to patreon.com slash murderish. That's patreon.com slash murderish. Speaking of Patreon, I want to recognize my newest Patreon supporters. Rachel and Lauren, thank you so much for your extra support. It means so much to me. I knew I wouldn't have much time to work on the podcast while I was at CrimeCon, so I decided to do an Ask Me Anything episode in order to give myself a little break while I was out of town. So, in this episode of Murderish, I'll be answering questions submitted by you guys and none of your questions went unanswered. Without further delay, let's get into the show. Bethany Jones, my good friend and co-host of the Pros and Cons podcast, asks, Have you ever wanted to talk to a perpetrator? If so, who and why? So I definitely have wanted to talk to many perpetrators, but the one that sticks out, or actually the two that stick out, are the perpetrators in the Justin Hopper murder case, and that would be Aaron Mercado and Ryan Bangs. And the reason why I want to talk to them so badly is because if you'll recall in that episode, there really was no clear motive for this murder that I could find in any of my research. It really just seemed to be that they wanted to kill someone and they made an excuse and a plan to do it and they carried it out. And so I would love to know what their motive is. I mean, that murder just made zero sense to me. I covered this one pretty early on, I think, you know, in the podcast. But um, if you go back and listen, You'll see that, you know, it's either they're just sociopaths and they wanted to know what it was like to kill somebody or maybe something else was going on that I wasn't able to uncover in my research. But I definitely, if I had the opportunity, I would want to speak to those two. And I know this wasn't part of your question, Bethany, but, you know, two perpetrators that I would never want to speak with would be the murderers of Gabriel Fernandez. He was just a young boy who lived in Palmdale, California, and he was murdered slowly by his own mother. And I guess you could say he was his stepfather, um, the mother and her boyfriend. They weren't married, but they tortured him over a number of months or years. And um, he ended up dying from the final beating that they handed down to him. It's just an awful, awful case. But the reason that I would never want to speak with them is because they just really, to me, seem like subhuman monsters. And I doubt that anything that they would say to me would you know, none of their reasons for killing him would make any sense at all. I just think that the two of them are just so far gone. They could never be rehabilitated. They're just the most evil of evil people in this world. Wayne Pierce asked, what is the one case that was so disgusting and horrific that you didn't want to present it, but did present it anyway? So that's a great question. And I will go back to the Gabriel Fernandez case. This case has stuck with me for years, ever since I heard about it. I would often think about it, and I could not fathom what this little boy went through, and especially at the hands of his own mother and her boyfriend. You know, he came home, and and kids are supposed to come home and feel safe, and this little boy probably hated coming home, and he didn't feel safe at all, 
And that's because he was being tortured and starved and all of these horrible things. And just an awful, awful case. So for a few years, I've been thinking about it. And when I started the podcast, I always knew, you know, in the back of my mind that I would never cover this case because in all honesty, whenever it would come on the news or any new information would come out or anything like that, I really would just turn the channel because selfishly, I didn't want to hear it because it's so heinous. It's so terrible what this little boy went through. And as a mom and just as a human being, I just couldn't listen to it probably without becoming emotional. And um, I know that's selfish, but I did bring myself to cover this case recently and it's on the podcast and it was awful. Covering this case on the podcast was actually the first time that I had learned all the details because I've sort of shoved it down and not really purposely tried to not see it on the news and, and read about it because it's just so awful. But yeah, that's the absolute worst case that I've ever heard of. And I didn't think that I would ever cover on the podcast, but I did recently. And you can go back and listen to it. Mike Morford, or Morph as everybody knows him, who is a good friend of mine and co-host of Criminology, Three Men in a Mystery, and also hosts The Murder in My Family. Those are all great podcasts if you guys haven't listened to them. Morph asks, if you started a new podcast, not crime related, what would it be about? Oh, and will there ever be another crime sphere? So the first part of your question, Morph, so I have always had these ideas swirling around in my head about another podcast that I'd like to start. That being said, at this point in my life, I don't think I have time or can make the time to do a second podcast. But if I did, I would love to do one, and this sounds so silly and so basic, but I would love to do a podcast just dishing on reality TV shows that I watch. I'm a huge fan of so many reality TV shows, and I love talking about them with friends because they're just, it's funny. It's fun watching other people live their lives and talking about the different things they do and, and things like that. So I would love to start a podcast just dishing on reality TV. And some of the shows that I watch are, of course, you know, the Real Housewives franchise. I watch almost all of them. I think New York and Atlanta are probably my favorites. I also love Flipping Out with Jeff Lewis. That's one of my absolute favorite shows because it combines reality TV, comedy, because he's hilarious. And it also, another one of my passions is interior design. And of course, that show has a lot of interior design aspect to it. So I love that one. I also watch Sweet Home, which I think is very similar to Flipping Out, which is probably the reason that I love it so much. And I also watch Southern Charm. So anyway, there's there's others in there too, but I would love to do a podcast just talking about reality TV. Another podcast I would like to start that is totally opposite of what I just talked about would be something related to skincare and health. So I always geek out and listen to so many health-related podcasts. I found some skincare podcasts and I am such a geek when it comes to all that. I want to know all there is to know about health. I want to know all there is to know about skincare. And it doesn't mean I'm the healthiest person in the world. And it doesn't mean that I keep up on my skincare better than anybody else. It's just that those are things that I'm passionate about at this point in my life. And so I just want to know all the scientific stuff behind it. And it fascinates me. But, you know, that being said, you know, I am definitely not an expert. I just merely have an interest in these topics. So, what I'm thinking is if I started this podcast, maybe I'd have a co-host who is an expert in one or both of those fields, and then we would discuss all the latest and greatest in skincare and give overall you know, health tips and things like that. But that might be a podcast that I would love to start. And you know, I know you said not true crime related, but I've always been interested in doing a long form serialized true crime podcast. And actually, I've been in talks for quite a while with another podcast buddy of mine, and we've talked about teaming up to tell a really insane true crime story that doesn't necessarily involve murder, but it's crazy nonetheless. And what's crazy is that me and this person met through podcasting, and we've become really close friends, and she's awesome. We found out after we met and became friends that we both have a connection to this true crime story. And it blew my mind. And so, of course, we talk about it every time we get together. And then, of course, you know, 
I was like, hey, I've always wanted to tell this story in a podcast, and I would love it if you hopped on board because I have a different perspective on this story than she does. We both have very different perspectives, but both fascinating sort of insider information. The thing is, we can't do anything with this story at this point because it's actually still in active litigation, and I don't want to get sued. So I have to keep my mouth shut. But once, you know, all the lawsuits are settled or, you know, there's some sort of resolution, I would definitely think about putting together a serialized true crime podcast to tell this crazy story from start to finish. I've also always been curious to see what it would be like to do a more casually formatted true crime podcast with a co-host. One where I would probably tell the story to a friend in just like a very conversational tone. And in fact, I originally planned to do this type of format with Murderish before I started the podcast, but it just came down to I didn't have a co-host and I didn't want to make a stretch and just kind of invite anyone to be the co-host just to have a co-host. I think that choosing your co-host is a special thing and it has to be carried out thoughtfully. And I just didn't think I had that person. And so I just, but I really wanted to start the podcast. So I did it on my own. And it was a struggle at first because it's the weirdest thing. Talking to a microphone just by yourself is so lonely. And also your tone changes. So when you tell a story into a microphone by yourself, you typically, or at least I, don't have as much inflection. There's not as much emotion when I tell the story because there's nobody sitting in front of me for me to get excited about it or have more inflection or more emotion in my voice. So that's the reason that I wanted to have a co-host initially to tell the story to. But anyway, as I've gone along, I've learned little tips and tricks to do while I'm talking into the microphone by myself to evoke more emotion when I tell the story and to have a little more inflection in my voice and things like that. But I think that that kind of podcast would be fun. So and I would still consider doing that if the right co-host came along and the right opportunity and all the stars align. And I don't know, I've been told by a lot of people that my voice puts them to sleep. And it's so funny. I was just talking about this with Tyler, who hosts the Minds of Madness podcast, which is a great podcast. But he and I were just talking about this and we both get this comment often. People tell us, hey, I listen to your podcast and it puts me right to sleep. And we don't know if that's a compliment or if it's not. But I think that, you know, overall, I think people are saying, hey, you have a soothing voice and it puts me to sleep. So I've toyed around with maybe doing an ASMR podcast. And I don't really know much about ASMR. I never listened to it. I know there's a ton of YouTubers that do ASMR to help people, you know, go to sleep. And I hear that it really works. And I think there's some ASMR podcasts out there. So I would consider doing something like that because if people already tell me that my voice puts them to sleep, I mean, why not just do a podcast to help people go to sleep? That would be kind of cool. So I would think about doing that. And then as far as Morph's last question, he asked me if there will ever be another Crime Sphere. So Crime Sphere was a true crime podcast that Morph and I co-hosted together for a while. And we ended up putting it on a pause because we both just had so much going on. We loved doing it together. And I loved working with Morph. He's one of the best guys, people, you know, in podcasting, and he's become a good friend of mine. So any chance to work with Morph on anything, it's almost always going to be a yes from me. So I would say, hey, yeah, Crime Sphere might come back alive, or I'm sure we'll have another opportunity to work together again. And it could be on something totally different. But yeah, I am totally open to the idea of working with Morph again. I mean, of course. Julie Lanham asks, what are your favorite books, movies, and podcasts, true crime related or not? So a couple of books that I really have liked would be Killing Kennedy. And that was written by Bill O'Reilly. And I loved that book. Of course, it's about President Kennedy and his assassination and all of the events leading up to it and the aftermath. I just found it to be fascinating because I learned so many new things reading that book. And it's a really, really good read. I would highly recommend that book. Another great book that I remember, but I Gosh, I read this book, I want to say 10 to 14 years ago. It's been a while, but it's called Scar Tissue, and it's an autobiography written by Larry Sloman, and it's about Anthony Kiedis, the lead singer of Red Hot Chili Peppers, which is one of my all-time favorite bands. 
that book was so raw and so interesting to hear about not only Anthony's life, but all of the bandmates' lives. And as you probably already know, I mean, they lived crazy lives, lots of drugs and things like that. Some pretty sad stories. But yeah, it's it's a really interesting book. A couple of movies. So I love mob movies. They have been my absolute favorite to watch since forever. I love Godfather Part 1 and 2. Goodfellas was awesome. Casino, such a great movie. Another one that's a really tough watch, but it's actually one of my all-time favorite movies, is American Me. Again, it's not for the faint of heart, but that's a damn good movie. I also love the Kill Bill series. I love all three of them. I think that, you know, they feature a bunch of badass women, and I'm a sucker for a badass woman. So love those movies. think they're well done, so entertaining. And besides movies, I watch a lot of documentaries. And I mean, it can be on anything, but the ones that I love the most are usually food-related, health-related, true crime, of course. And I just think they teach me so much, and they're so interesting. So I watch a lot of documentaries. And as far as podcasts, so some of my favorites, and I know I'm going to be leaving some out, but some of my absolute favorites are How I Built This with Guy Raz. It's an NPR podcast. I love that one. It's not true crime related at all, but it basically brings on guests who have started businesses, you know, sort of like out of their garage, so to speak, and they've grown it into a multi-million dollar business. And I just love hearing how people did that, how they grew their business and and the mistakes that they made and things like that. I also love Someone Knows Something. That is like the gold standard of true crime podcasts, in my opinion. I loved Serial Season 1, of course. That's what got me hooked on podcasts in general. And I still, to this day, think it is such a well-done podcast. I think I've listened to it three times now. And I am so fascinated with that case. You know, Heyman Lee, Adnan Syed. And I love, love, loved Accused season one and two. Great podcasts. I think season three is going to be coming out soon. So I'm totally impatiently waiting for that one. I also loved S-Town. I thought that was just such a beautiful podcast. You start out listening to it and it's a little slow and you'd think it's one thing when you listen to like episode one and two. But once you get to like episode three, you realize this podcast is not at all about what you thought it would be, but it's riveting. I love criminology, true crime all the time, Minds of Madness, Gimlet Media's Crime Town. I loved Ear Hustle. I hope that that show comes back. I think I read that it is coming back soon. I loved the serialized podcast called Cold. That was a really, really tough listen because it's one of those just awful cases that's really hard to listen to the details, but really well done. And I also love Slow Burn. I think that that's such a fascinating podcast as well. Don Bouchard asks, would you do a main case if a suspect has moved to California? And my answer is absolutely. I don't just cover California cases, although I think a lot of the cases that I've covered on Murderish happen to be out of California. And that's probably just because I live here. And these are cases that I've always been familiar with and always wanted to know more about. So I always knew that I wanted to cover them on the show. And I'm probably a little bit partial, you know, to California because I live here and I'm familiar with the areas where these murders happen. But absolutely, I would cover a main case. My goal is to cover stories in all 50 states and also internationally. I've done one international case, but I would hope to do more. So, yeah, absolutely. I'm open to doing a main case. Skincare is so important to me at this stage in my life, and I won't put just anything on my skin. I recently discovered Kino Skincare, and I am loving it. Let me tell you why. Kino Skincare is thoughtful about what they put into their products using the highest quality, scientifically proven, natural ingredients. Kino Skincare's products contain 500 milligrams of CBD, which is rich in vitamins A, D, and E. Their products are also great for anti-aging, sensitive skin, and giving your skin an antioxidant boost. Kino Skincare has certifications to back up their products. They're certified to be non-toxic, carbon-free, sulfate-free, gluten-free, and vegan. 
And for all of you animal lovers out there, rest assured that Kino Skincare's products are also cruelty-free. Each ingredient was thoughtfully chosen by skincare experts for a specific reason, whether it's to stimulate collagen, to moisturize, or to declog pores. I live in Southern California, and I love laying out by the pool. I've been using Kino Skincare's body oil to nourish my skin after I've been in the sun, and I love their coconut mango lip balm. It is deliciously nourishing. Another reason I love Kino Skincare is that $1 from every order is donated to Sustainable Coastlines Hawaii. If you're ready to start nourishing your skin and reaping all of the amazing benefits that come along with it, I've got a special offer for you. Listeners of Murderish can get 20% off their order by going to shopkino.com and using promo code MURDERISH at checkout. That's shopkino.com and use promo code MURDERISH at checkout. Jordy Burt asks, Do you get a lot of merch purchases? I love supporting my favorite people by getting a new shirt from them, but I fear they'll stop selling because they aren't getting a lot of sales. Well, first of all, Jordy, that's really sweet of you to ask that. And I know that you are so supportive of podcasts, especially, you know, Murderish. You are very active in the Facebook group and you're just, you're awesome. I just appreciate your support. So I don't get a lot of merch sales, but don't feel bad for me. I don't push it at all. I created the merch store just so people would have a place to buy something if they want it. I don't push it too hard because with most merch stores, I think you can ask any podcaster, that's typically not a huge source of revenue. Now, though, of course, there are some podcasts who make a ton of money on merch, and that's very purposeful, and I think that's awesome. For me, it's just sort of been on the back burner for now. I would love to push it harder, but there are other things that I push harder than the merch sales. And honestly, the merch sales Basically, I get a handful of merch sales each month, and that's perfect for me. And really all I want out of it, you don't make very much money. If somebody buys a mug or a t-shirt, you make a few bucks here and there. But really, the goal of the merch store is really just to have people wearing a murderish t-shirt or, you know, drinking coffee from a murderish mug. And then somebody sees it and asks about it. And then that's an opportunity to say, hey, yeah, it's one of my favorite podcasts. You know, you should give it a try. And that just sort of spreads the word about the show. So it's not really to make money necessarily. I just have the merch store because I love, you know, having the opportunity for people to wear murderish merch and for other people to discover the show by seeing you wear a murderish T-shirt. The ladies from Resolved Mysteries podcast ask, what is the one cold case or unsolved case that you would like to see solved? So I have several. And I know that some of these that I'm going to say are not necessarily unsolved, but to me, they are. And I'll explain why. The first unsolved case that I want to see solved is the Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman case. Basically, we all know who did it, right? I mean, there's really not a question about that anymore. We know OJ Simpson did it, but it pisses me off that he didn't have to necessarily pay for it, that he didn't get convicted. And he's not being held accountable for that. I mean, what he did was brutal and so sad. And just these families and the victims deserve justice. And I just want to see that case solved. That being said, I'm typically an optimist, but I have to say, I mean, I don't think that he'll ever be held accountable. And I don't think he can be because he's already been tried for it. But that's one of them. Another one is another big case, and I would like to see the Kaylee Anthony case solved. And that's, of course, uh, the one where her mom, Casey Anthony, went on trial. Now, again, I strongly believe that Casey Anthony is responsible for her daughter's death. That's my opinion. But regardless of whether she did it or not, that case is unsolved. And I think Kaylee Anthony deserves justice. And I think that's just horrible that it's technically, legally, it's unsolved. The Jean Benet Ramsey case, of course, I want to see that one solved. I have my own opinions about that one that I'm happy to discuss with anybody, maybe in the social media groups or something, but I want to see that case solved. And I think a lot of people do. Another one that is legally and technically it is solved, but in my mind, I think they have the wrong guy. And that's the Heyman Lee murder case. And that's the one with, you know, obviously Adnan Syed from the podcast serial. And I mean, I I make no bones about it. I, I don't think that he committed the murder. And I strongly believe that they've got the wrong guy. And I would love to see the right person brought to justice. But again, that's not really an unsolved case because right now Adnan Sayed is sitting in prison for that murder. 
Another strange and mysterious unsolved case is the case of the missing guy named Bryce Laspisa. And he went missing here in Castaic, which is actually where I live. And that is just a mysterious and strange case that he went missing and he's never been found. So his remains have never been found. So it's possible that he's just out there missing, but still alive. But I would love to see that one solved. And then, of course, the Karina Saunders and the Corinne Erstad cases. I covered those recently on Murderish. They are unsolved, and I'd like to see those cases solved as well. Vaughn Rogers asks, have you looked into the unsolved Ketty murders in 1981? I grew up in Quincy, California and graduated in 1983. A friend of mine was one of the last ones to see two of the slain the night it happened. No, I haven't looked into this case, but I've read a bit about it, and I read there may be new DNA evidence in this case, as well as a possible murder weapon being found a few years ago. I know there's a documentary on it called Cabin 28, so I'll have to put that on my watch list to check that out. And I think Gen Y and the Trail Went Cold podcast have covered this case, and they always do a great job of telling stories, so I'll have to listen to their episodes on the case as well. But definitely, I'll put this one on my list to look into. It sounds fascinating. It sounds awful. Several people were killed in a cabin, family members, plus a friend, and it just sounds awful. Twyla Wright asks, what are some of your non-true crime related hobbies that you enjoy doing? So there's a few. I I do a lot of things outside of podcasting, although podcasting does take up quite a bit of my time and it's probably my biggest hobby. But I love riding on the back of my husband's motorcycle. That's always a lot of fun. I love, love, love karaoke. I just talked about this the other day in a Facebook live session. I love gangster rap karaoke. And so any opportunity I can get to do karaoke, I'm on it. One of my favorite pastimes. I also love interior design. I don't have a background in it or any kind of like formal training or education on it, but I love designing interior spaces. I watch every single HGTV show out there and I read Architectural Digest. I'm just, I love it. And I get so excited about it. And I like, I'm secretly hoping that one of my friends or family members will say, hey, Jamie, can you help me redo my kitchen or redo my master bedroom? Because I would jump on that opportunity. Um, If I had to do it all over again, I might have even gone to school for interior design because I love it so much. But I also love casual barbecues with friends and family. My husband and I, we go out every now and then. I mean, it's fun to go out and kind of let your hair down and um, have a few drinks with friends. But for the most part, we like to just have people over to our house. That way we don't have to get a babysitter. We can throw some burgers on the grill, have a couple drinks, let the kids play. And that's something I always enjoy doing. We also go camping a lot, and I love doing that. Although some people make fun of me and say it's not really camping because we do bring our trailer. Of course, I've tent camped before, and that has a certain like special element to it. But I mean, at the same time, you know, camping in a trailer is a whole lot better, in my opinion. Watching documentaries when I have time, that's another pastime of mine. And something else I love doing, it's going to sound funny, but I love, love, love waking up early in the morning. I've always been, not always, but I've been an early riser ever since I had my first child, you know, 21 years ago. And I wake up early. I have like this internal alarm clock that wakes me up at like 6 a.m. Doesn't matter if it's Saturday, Sunday, but I love it. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm a total morning person, but I love that moment when I wake up. And I immediately make coffee and I love drinking my coffee early in the morning, all alone. Everybody's still sleeping. I'm watching HGTV and just skimming through architectural design magazines. I love, love, love doing that. Morgan, who's the co-host of Captain and Morgan podcast, asks, why didn't you seek out Morgan at the meetup on Friday at CrimeCon? Just kidding. And then he says, what was the highlight of your CrimeCon experience? So... I told Morgan the reason why I didn't seek him out at the True Crime Podcast was because I didn't even know he was there because I don't think we've ever met each other. But now I'm bummed because I would have loved to say hi and and meet another um, True Crime podcaster. But it's cool because we've just recently connected through Instagram. And anyway, so he wants to know what was the highlight of your CrimeCon experience? So much. I mean, there were so many highlights, but, you know, number one, I loved meeting up with my podcast friends and the podcast community overall is very welcoming. And we all are very close friends behind the scenes and we keep in touch through social media and texting and all this stuff. 
but we don't ever get to see each other. We all live in all these different places, some people across the country, some people in other countries. And so any opportunity that we get to meet up in person is awesome. So going to CrimeCon, you know, at least 80% of the reason I go is just to meet up with my podcast friends. So that was a highlight, just catching up with everybody, having some laughs, having some drinks and talking shop and just all of it. But I totally loved meeting up with listeners, too. It was such a cool experience this year, meeting so many people who came up to our table. And one of them was even wearing, you know, a murderous T-shirt, which was really cool. That was Jen Michael. Hey, Jen. But it's so fun meeting listeners of the show. I get so pumped when I hear people say how much they love the show. And we talk about the cases that have been covered on it. And it's just so energizing and gives me renewed energy to keep on going. Of course, another highlight was meeting up with Josh Manx from Dateline. I always love seeing him. And we got to have a meal together and hang out. And I loved seeing Tara Newell. Tara Newell's from the Dirty John podcast. Ever since I interviewed her on the show, I think it was sometime last year, actually, she and I have become close friends and we keep in touch. And she is so fun to be around. So it was so fun to see her. And then just to top things off, I got to go to the Museum of Death in New Orleans, and that was fascinating. So all of those are my highlights, and CrimeCon was a blast. And if you were not able to make it this year, I highly encourage you guys to go to CrimeCon next year, 2020. It's going to be in Orlando, Florida, and it is always a good time. Just Google it. Google CrimeCon 2020, and it'll bring up the website, and you'll see what it's all about if you're not familiar. Twyla Wright asks, I want to know about your experience being featured on the Oxygen Show in Ice Cold Blood. So that was so much fun. A few months back, I got a call from a producer on the Oxygen Show called In Ice Cold Blood, which is hosted by none other than Ice-T, and I, I love Ice-T. So I was really excited when she reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to be featured on the episode. I jumped at, at the opportunity. And it happened so fast. I want to say that the producer called me one day during the week, and it was probably no longer than like five days later, I was already taping the episode. But the funny thing about it was when I first got there, it's in this big commercial building where they film it in, I think, Encino, which is in Los Angeles County. And so I walked in the building, went through security, went downstairs because the room that they record in is in like the basement of the building. So walk down this long hallway. I finally see the suite number that I need to go into and I open the door and it's just pitch black inside. And right away I was embarrassed. I'm like, oh my gosh, what did I just walk in on? I obviously walked into the wrong room. I was so embarrassed. But right away I saw a man walking toward me and right away said the producer's name. I'm like, are you so-and-so? And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's me. Hi, nice to meet you. So I realized I was in the right room, but literally, I mean, it was pitch black, like so black that my eyes had to adjust to the darkness for me to see where I was going. But anyway, he was the producer was really friendly. He led me into the room and right away I could see that there was a white screen. There was a, a bright light flashed onto the white screen. And then opposite of the white screen was just a simple you know, desk chair. And that's where I sat. And then the producer sat right in front of me behind the white screen just a few feet away from me. And then there was a camera to my right that was sort of on like a contraption where it just automatically moves from left to right. And I think it moved up and down and the camera would move every now and then when you talk. But I swear when I walked into that dark room, I'm like, oh shit, the joke's on me. I'm about to get murdered. And hopefully somebody will cover this on their podcast because this is going to be my demise. I swear I like had a flash in my mind like, oh my God, where am I? And what's going to go down right now? But it ended up being a really, really cool experience. And I would totally do it again if given the opportunity. Are you careful about the products and ingredients you put on your skin? If so, you should give Myro a try. Myro is a thoughtfully made plant-powered deodorant that's naturally effective and long-lasting. Myro's vegan formula deodorant is free of aluminum, parabens, talc, mineral oil, and triclosan, and all of their ingredients have been clinically tested for safety and efficacy. 
Myro's natural deodorant is aloe-based and uses a yummy blend of essential oils to keep you fresh with natural cornstarch and sage to keep you dry. Here's how it works. Choose your scent, the color of your refillable case. There are five unisex scents and case colors to choose from. Then, Myro is delivered right to your door. You can change scents, pause deliveries, or cancel any time. I've been using Myro's Solar Flare scent and it smells so good, but it doesn't overpower my perfume like other drugstore deodorants. And it came in a really cute red case. Myro deodorant works like a champ. If you want to treat yourself to Myro, I've got a great offer for you. Get 50% off your first order and get started today for just $5. Visit mymyro.com slash murderish and use promo code murderish. That's mymyro.com slash murderish and use promo code murderish. Michelle Gillies asks, which case got you hooked on true crime? So I don't know exactly which case got me hooked on true crime. I just know that I've been interested in true crime from a pretty young age. I mean, I want to say 12 or 13 years old, but the one case that sticks out would be the serial killer Richard Ramirez or the Night Stalker, as he's known as. Not only did I live in Southern California at the time his crimes were going on, I was scared to death, as so many people who lived in Southern California will tell you. We all were locking our doors, locking our windows. I mean, I remember, I vividly remember going to bed at night thinking, it's possible that the Night Stalker could come into my bedroom window and and kill me. I mean, it was really scary. So I remember that case and I was hooked on it. And my mom and I would watch all the media coverage on it. There were cameras in the courtroom which was sort of a new concept, I want to say. So it was fascinating to watch everything unfold. And it really got my wheels spinning. And I just wanted to know more about this guy, the Night Stalker, and what made him that way. I was interested in the psych of it all. I just wanted to sort of get inside of his head and understand why he was committing these crimes. But more importantly, just what made his brain that way? What caused this? Definitely Richard Ramirez is one that got me started. And I used to watch Unsolved Mysteries with my mom, and then I started reading books on serial killers and other crime cases, and it just kind of went from there. So I've always had an interest for many, many years. Melissa Franklin, my very best friend, actually, says, which story has been the hardest to retell and talk about? No question at all, it's the Gabriel Fernandez case, Um, like I talked about earlier. It's the case out of Palmdale, California. And, you know, I ended up covering it recently on Murderish. And that's actually the only case that as I retold it, that I struggled to record it. I was very emotional telling the story. And it's so hard to talk about without becoming emotional. If you really get into the details of this case, it was such a struggle to record it. And my producer did a good job of kind of cutting those moments out. But that was really really tough to do. And I, if you read up on the details of this case, or if you listen to that episode, I dare you to listen to it without getting emotional. It's absolute worst case I have ever heard about in my entire life. And of course, every case that I cover is heinous. But when a child can't even feel safe in their own home, that just hits me so much harder than other cases. You know, he would have been safer with anyone else than his own mother and her boyfriend. And I know this sounds strange, but with this case, I mean, ever since it happened up to this current day, I often have daydreams about Gabriel Fernandez. And the daydream always is me being able to save him. It's like I daydream, you know, I'll be I'll be at lunch sometimes just eating Chipotle or whatever. And I'll be sitting there thinking about this case and I'll kind of like drift off and I'll think about, you know, this is all hypothetical, but it's like I'll think about a moment where he's left in a car by himself, let's say by his mother. And I'm I'm able to open the door and tell him to get into my car and I'm able to bring him home and I'm able to mother him and show him what it's like to feel love from a family and comfort and feel safe and just emotionally supported and nourished and all the things that he didn't get. And as strange as that sounds, I mean, I really do have these weird daydreams about it to this current day, that this case just really, really, really gets me. Carrie Holzmeister Stimson says, fantastic job. And she's talking about the episode of In Ice Cold Blood that I was featured on. She goes on to say, you should have a show like that. 
Her question is, what was the experience like? Do they ask you questions like an interview or do you basically tell an entire story like your podcast, but on camera and they take out parts of it for their show? I'm always curious about the behind the scenes details. So yeah, going back to the Oxygen show that I was on recently called In Ice Cold Blood, that was a really interesting experience. So basically what happens is, like I said earlier, I was just sitting in a chair and I sat in front of a producer. There were a couple camera guys there and sound guys and stuff like that. No, I didn't get to meet Ice-T. I wish I did, but of course I didn't. But I sat in front of of a producer and he basically just walked me through the case asking me questions about the case, and I would just give him my own authentic answers. So he might ask a question like, what do you think about this murder or or this or that? And I, you know, I'd say, well, gosh, what struck me first is the fact that it, you know, happened midday at 11 a.m. You you never expect to find somebody dead, you know, in the middle of the day at 11 a.m. in their office. So he would just ask me questions like that, and I would just give my answers. And for the show, if you watch it, you'll see that they sort of picked and chose different answers that I gave to include in the episode. So no, I didn't sit there and tell the story from start to finish like I do with the podcast. The producer sort of directed it and he would ask me a question which would prompt an answer. And then they used some of those answers on the final cut of the show. So kind of backing up a little bit, though, how I even got on the show was it was just so random. There was a producer on the show, a female. Her name's Donna Tolmas, and she reached out to me by phone. So my cell phone rang one day. I was at work, and I didn't recognize the number, but I answered. And she says, hi, is this Jamie with Murderish Podcast? And it was the weirdest thing because nobody's ever called me out of the blue in relation to my podcast. So it kind of caught me off guard. And so I just said, yeah, this is Jamie. I host that show. And she goes, oh, okay. I saw your profile on on LinkedIn and wanted to know if you would like to be part of an upcoming episode of the show in Ice Cold Blood. It's hosted by Ice-T and it's on Oxygen Network. And so we got to talking and it sounded really fun and exciting. And I told her that I would like to, but I wanted to know what her timeline was. And she goes, well, we don't have that long. So how quickly can you get to know this case? And I said, well, ideally, give me like a week or so, uh, maybe two weeks would be awesome. She's like, well, I don't think we have that much time. And I said, "Okay, well, let me know what your timeline is. And she's like, well, can you get to know the case in a couple of days? Can you come record it this weekend? And I was like, well, you know what? I'm not going to say no. And, you know, I've done things on a tight timeline before. So I just said, yeah, shoot me over the case information. I'll read through everything and it'll be fresh on my mind and I'll come record whenever you guys need me. So that's what happened. She emailed a bunch of case information. I read everything probably twice just so I really knew the case frontward and backward. So by the time I sat in front of the producer to record it, it was really fresh on my mind. So I didn't even bring any talking points or anything. He would just ask me a question which would prompt an answer. And so that's kind of how it went. Really cool opportunity. And like I said before, I would totally do it again if given the opportunity. Nikki T., who hosts Strictly Homicide Podcasts, asks, why are you so adorable? Well, that's a funny question, Nikki. And I made sure to confirm on Instagram that you actually wanted me to answer that question on the podcast. And you said yes. So I'm going to answer it. Here's how I would answer it. I would say, why don't you ask my husband how adorable I am when I'm overwhelmed at work, the house is messy, and as soon as I get home from work, my entire family is in my face asking what's for dinner when I'm going to go grocery shopping next, ask him how adorable I am then. Oh, and ask him how adorable I am when someone tries to breathe the same air as me in the morning before I've had a cup of coffee. Go ahead and ask him how adorable I am then. But seriously, I traded in my corporate job last year to work with my husband in our family business, and I'm honestly just most days plain Jane. I don't enjoy getting full-blown ready every day. And any day where I can wear little to no makeup, jeans and a t-shirt and flip-flops, I'm happy. But seriously, Nikki, thanks for asking the question. And I think you're adorable. And I also think you're a kick-ass podcaster and photographer. Susanna Anderson says, I love your voice. And I was wondering if you have a background in journalism or radio. So first off, thank you for saying that, Susanna. I really appreciate it. I do not have a background in journalism or radio, and actually far from it. The funny thing is that when I was in my 20s, maybe even in my teens, 
my dream job would have been sitting in the chair where Jillian Barbary sat on Good Day LA for so many years. People who live in the Los Angeles area are probably familiar with that show. It's a morning news show. And Jillian Barbary was one of the co-hosts for co-anchors. I'm not sure what the exact title is, but for years. And I loved that. I couldn't get enough of it. I watched it every morning, you know, when I woke up and drank my coffee, was getting ready for work. And it was just the best morning news show because it was real. It was raw. I mean, Jillian would do things on air that no other, you know, news anchor would do. I mean, typically news anchors are pretty conservative and kind of like ha 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 kind of people. And Jillian was just so real, so wacky, so raw. And I found it endearing and I thought she was hilarious. And I was like, damn, I would love to have her job. Just sit there and sort of like crack jokes and every now and then go, you know, talk about the weather and this and that. And I don't know. I'm sure there's way more to it than I can imagine. But for a long time, that would have been my dream job. But um, no, I don't have any kind of background in journalism or radio. My professional background is actually in commercial real estate financing. So I did commercial real estate financing for about 18 years. And last year, I gave up my corporate gig altogether. And I joined my husband to help him run our synthetic grass business. And that's what I do now. And so I traded in my suits and heels and makeup and cute handbags for jeans, tennis shoes, a trucker hat, and a t-shirt. And it's amazing. War Baby, host of Murderous Miners podcast and one of my very best friends, asks, what is your favorite part of podcasting? So one of my favorite parts of podcasting is also sometimes the part that I hate most. So it's sort of a love-hate relationship, but I love telling the stories. I've always loved to tell true crime stories and talk about them and bring them up in conversations. And I just, I love telling stories. But that being said, hosting a podcast, you know, when you get behind the microphone, you start out, at least I do, I start out very energetic and it's as if I'm telling the story for the first time. But as it gets into it, I don't know, recording for more than, say, 40 minutes, to me, it gets exhausting. And I just start to fade out. And I start to scroll down and see how many more pages in my script that I have left because I'm just like, oh my gosh, when, when is this going to end? And it's not that I'm not into the story. It's just that, I don't know, I think I get tired of hearing myself talk. And talking for that long continuously, it's just a little exhausting. So telling the stories is mostly what I love about podcasting, but it can be one of my biggest pain points in podcasting. But another aspect of podcasting that I love is the community that I've been able to build around the podcast. It's been such an incredible experience and things have happened that I never thought would happen. I have come across and met some of the coolest people and some of those people have become what will probably be lifelong friends, you know, outside of podcasting. And I just think that's amazing. And I've been able to connect with so many like-minded people for so many years before true crime was, you know, the genre was sort of like popular and in vogue. I've always been into it, but a lot of people thought I was weird when I said, you know, oh, I'm reading a book about serial killers or, hey, did you catch that murder case on the news and this and that? And but now it's like, gosh, you know, I'm connected with all these like-minded people through social media. And I have a Facebook discussion group. I have an Instagram page. And then I also have Twitter. So Twitter is really where I interact mostly with other podcasts. Instagram is sort of my latest venture. I love Instagram. But when I first started the podcast, I was like, you know what, let me just choose two social media platforms and stick to that. And that was Facebook and Twitter. But then I recently started doing Instagram and it's great. Um, and I interact with people on there. But my absolute favorite is my Facebook discussion group. It's such a cool group of people. I feel so close to everybody. I feel like I know everybody in that group. And we share a lot of stories about true crime, but also a lot of non-true crime related stuff. And I pull so much energy from that group that um, I don't think that the people in that group know how much energy I pull from it, but I do. But anyway, I'm going on and on about this, but that's one of my favorite parts of podcasting is really the people that I've been connected with and then the lifelong friends that I've made because of it. That's probably my favorite part of podcasting. 
Well, that's it, everybody. Thank you so much to everyone who submitted questions for this episode. This was a lot of fun and such a welcome break from the regular podcast schedule. It's always nice to talk about things I wouldn't normally get the opportunity to talk about on the podcast. I'll be back in a couple of weeks with coverage on a true crime case as usual. If you want to follow Murderish on social media, search Murderish Discussion Group in Facebook. You can also find me on Twitter at MurderishPod or on Instagram at MurderishPodcast. If you like the show, there are so many ways you can support it. You can start by hitting the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app and tell a friend about Murderish. You can leave the show a positive rating and review in iTunes, which helps other people discover the show easier. Buying products and services advertised on the show is another way to help. This episode was made possible by Kino Skincare and Myro. Make sure to use my special URL or promo code when you buy. Interested in extra murderish perks? Go to patreon.com murderish, where your monthly support will take you behind the mic and give you access to perks like exclusive bonus content, murderish t-shirts, stickers, a shout out on the podcast and other cool stuff. Want to show the world you're not a murderer, just murder-ish? Check out my online merch store at murderishpodcast.threadless.com. I have t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other stuff available. Email any comments or questions you have to murderishjamie at gmail.com. That's murderishjami at gmail.com. Murderish is mixed and mastered by John Buchanan of Audio Editing Solutions. Most of the music in this episode was composed by Nico of We Talk of Dreams. As always, Ishers, thank you for joining me on another episode of Murderish. And remember, listening to this podcast doesn't make you a murderer. It just means you're murder-ish. Eliza, Allison, and Carlin, and we're the hosts of Resolved Mysteries Podcast. Our podcast follows the 80s and 90s television show Unsolved Mysteries, hosted by Robert Stack. We have a love for true crime and the unsolved. If you don't remember Unsolved Mysteries, we forgive you, but you don't have to know to get into our show. If you like true crime stuff, ghost stuff, alien stuff, or just stories about weird shit like Bigfoot, this is your podcast. The stories we cover range from totally ridiculous to truly heartbreaking. We do detailed research on all of the segments that Unsolved Mysteries aired, then drink some wine and give you the latest updates on every case. We talk about stories that will leave you laughing, crying, and occasionally outraged. Resolve Mysteries podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your favorite pods. Join us and perhaps you may be able to help solve a mystery. And I sugar in my coffee. It me be I'm Woody Overton, host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. Join me each week to hear true and unscripted stories of the cases I actually worked during my career as a major crime investigator in South Louisiana. Go to realliferealcrime.com where you can listen to each week's episodes and find links to our social media. I appreciate y'all. Don't let me catch you down on the bike.